Good morning. As you find your place, let's stand together as we worship the Lord through song. Sing it out. Hark the herald angels sing. Let's sing this out together. Hark the herald angels sing. Glory to the newborn King. Peace on earth and mercy mild. God and sinners reconciled. Joyful all ye nations rise. Join the triumph of the skies. With angelic hosts
In just a few minutes, we will be dismissing children four years to the third grade at the back of the auditorium to our junior church ministry. While there, they will enjoy a great time as they sing songs, play games, and hear a message from God's Word prepared just for them. Giving is one of the many ways we have to worship the Lord. If you'd like to give financially, you can utilize the giving box in the back of the auditorium, or you can give online at fbcwixom.org and click on the tab at the top of the page. If this is your first time at FBC, we would love to connect with you. If you'd like more information about FBC, prayer, or to learn how you can get involved, you can fill out a connections card online at fbcwixom.org forward slash connect. Also, make sure to stop by the Welcome Center for a special gift on your way out after the service. Once again, thank you for joining us for worship today. Now we invite you to worship the Lord through song as we prepare to hear from God's Word this morning. Good morning, everyone. It is great to see you this morning. Um, next week is our Christmas at FBC Sunday morning. So I hope you've already been inviting people out in the back, right outside the double doors. There are some more Gospel of John invitations as well as some postcard invitations. Uh, please encourage friends, family, neighbors to join us. We're going to have a great time celebrating Jesus and sharing the gospel next Sunday morning. That's at 1045, our regular Sunday morning time. There is no Sunday school next week in preparation for that. So show up on time at 1045. And by the way, just a reminder that next week we probably should try to use every seat. I know we traditionally leave two or three seats of barrier between us and the next family just for caution. Um, but next Sunday, it's probably best if we use every seat rather than the outside seat so that people don't have to crawl over you. Be the one to crawl to the middle. And uh, we'll have a, uh, some extra guests next Sunday morning and we want to make sure they have a place to sit and uh, so if you can help us with that, we would greatly appreciate it. You might have noticed if you've driven around the back of the building to the north side of the property that the, the old shed is completely gone. The concrete pad is completely gone. We've been waiting for a Sunday with decent weather to go out there and kind of celebrate the start of the construction pro uh, process. And we haven't had one until today. This is as decent as it's going to be for a while, probably. And so we'd like to go after the morning worship service together. We'd like to go out there for a brief time of prayer. It is a little chilly, uh, but we'd like to go out there for a brief time of prayer after parents are able to collect their kids from the nursery. And then um, we have some hard hats and shovels for our kids to take some photos out there at the construction site by the excavator. And so if you can do that, if you can plan, we're going to try to dismiss a little bit early so we can go out there immediately afterwards for a time of prayer and some photos. It's a blessing for us this morning to have one of our missionary couples today with us, Bob and Terry Sturgeon. We have supported them for 20 years, and uh, they've been serving the Lord faithfully in Bolivia. And they're going to come at this time and give us an update on their ministry. Bob and Terry, glad to have you at First Baptist Church. Come tell us what the Lord's been doing in your ministry. Well, good morning. Uh, Terry and I are from uh, Carleton, Michigan. Uh, that's about 30 miles south of Detroit, right off of uh, 275. Uh, we used to work, I taught at uh, Faithway Baptist High School when it was still open, 
and we worked with uh, John Harris. Uh, you guys support him. He's up in Peru, and we've been there to visit him uh, and Gary, who's uh, working. He's no longer on the mission field, but uh, we've worked with and been in contact with uh, uh, John Harris. Also, we work indirectly with Bud Rader, uh, another missionary you guys support up in uh, the higher elevations in Bolivia. Uh, I say uh, indirectly, I teach at his uh, seminary there in uh, Bolivia. So we see him during the school year about uh, once a month, or once a week, I should say, once a week. And uh, so we fellowship with uh, Bud and Karen quite a bit. Uh, I did want to give you an update on uh, what we've been doing these last four years. We have uh, uh, our, our time in Bolivia, each term is four years for us. That's not a, a set rule, but that's what we do. It just gives us more time to get things uh, settled. When we get back off of furlough, we got to get things settled down. It takes a while to do that. So, uh, uh, the last time we were here was in uh, 2018, and a lot of interesting things happened uh, since we've been back. We got back, we came back in 2018, and uh, we got back in Bolivia in 2019. And it was, uh, you know, some of the things that happened, but we first got back, uh, they had a, a leftist president by the name of Evo Morales. And the uh, time in office, you have two terms that are uh, both five-year terms. So two terms is ten years. Well, I'm not going to go into all the details, but he finagled another four years. And he was, uh, he's aligned with North Korea. Uh, he's aligned with Cuba, uh, Venezuela, uh, all the, the communist countries, Russia, China. They still are. They still are in Bolivia. So that gives you an idea of the politics there. But Avo tried to work his way into another term. And he was told and people protested. It gets interesting there with the, the protests. But um, what happened was, a long story short, he wound up having to uh, uh, resign as president. And that caused a vacuum in uh, the, the political landscape in Bolivia, and it got pretty bad. That's we were we came back in September, and he uh, resigned in November, and the country just fell. It didn't take very long; it just fell. Uh, there was just chaos, uh, people uh, dying in the cities. We're in the, the rural areas; it's all farming where we're at and uh, so we just hid up there in the countryside and stayed out of the way but it was pretty chaotic Uh, so when that got over with about January when things settled down then COVID hit (laughs) and uh, COVID affected us greatly we didn't we didn't have services for about a year so with all of these things happening we thought, as I mentioned, when we come back after a, a furlough for a year, things are uh, pretty erratic in the church. Uh, 
So it takes a while to get things going again. But then we had two years because it is, the COVID hit. We couldn't have services. Uh, and so we're thinking it's going to, it's going to really get bad here. Uh, the people are not used to going to services. And what we would do is uh, record uh, the messages and uh, put them on WhatsApp. That's uh, an app that's used frequently in, in Bolivia. We put that on WhatsApp and our church group. And they would, I don't know if they were listening or not, but we would see them periodically try to get out and visit. But when we finally started having uh, the services again, things started happening. It was truly a blessing for us. Uh, people began to be more interested in the Word of God. And uh, they started growing spiritually. And uh, as I mentioned, I teach in a seminary. It's not a seminary like they have here. It's a Bible college. And up in uh, Valle Grande where Bud is. And uh, people just started getting more and more interested. And so I started a Bible institute at the church. And we have five people that are going to this Bible institute. And three of them are taking the classes for credit. And we thought that was nice. But then when we got ready to leave, what we normally do is get another missionary to take over the preaching duties and oversee the ministry while we're back in the States. There are no missionaries working in our church now. It's all the Bolivians. We have a student that's coming down from the seminary teaching. He's a, uh, just completed his third year. He'll graduate next year. He's preaching all the services, and the people are taking care of the rest. We've got a major portion of our uh, ministry is transport. I've got a bus and a truck, and uh, they're, they, they took that over. They're transporting the people. We're in constant contact with them, and uh, they're doing well. Uh, and I mean, we didn't expect this, that, you know, they would be uh, so grounded so quickly. It doesn't happen fast in Bolivia. It, things take time there. And so we've got... Um, you know, the, the Bolivians are taking over. We've got a, a guy that's there in case something happens. Another missionary and Bud as well. But they're, they're not handling the day-to-day operations of the church. And it's all through your prayer, your support, that has, God has allowed us to do that. Uh, we've been with this church for, as Pastor Brad mentioned, 20 years. And uh, we hear from folks here frequently, and it's a a great encouragement for us. So during that time, we've renovated our church, and we have our own missionary. Uh, They support their own missionary. We uh, have this missionaries in the uh, jungle of uh, of Bolivia. Uh, It's in, they call it Beni. It's right in the uh, Amazon basin. They got all the alligators and and, different kinds of snakes and mosquitoes as big as your fist. I haven't been down here yet, but I'm going to go visit our missionary in the winter because it's, it's like 105 degrees in, in the jungle there. So uh, we're just by God's grace, we've been 
able to see spiritual growth in our church there. And uh, they are now taking on their own missionary. And uh, it's, just, it's just been a blessing uh, this last term. Again, um, I just want to say it's really a pleasure for us to be here uh, today with you guys. And it's nice to see uh, familiar faces and, and also some new faces. Um, uh, as, as Bob mentioned, when we got back from furlough uh, last time, um, uh, you know, we were preparing. Uh, the school year there goes from January to November. And so in January is when we... Um, normally planned to start like our children's club and uh, we built some new benches for them and and we were all ready and we had one class and um, and then that was in January and then you all know what happened after that so uh, everything just came to a screeching halt um, and um, we our, our church is kind of like right on the main road and um, the idea the um, government there in Bolivia um, was very, very strict. They had kind of crazy um, rules about, you know, wh- how you could congregate. For a while, there was nothing, total isolation. And then after a while, the, you know, you can have services if this or that. Well, for the kids' ministry, our, our um, rule of thumb basically was going to be, as long as the schools... Uh, were restricting the kids. We weren't going to have the children's ministry. And so that's what we used for our guide, our guidelines. And that went on for quite a while. And, um, um, and then, um, but uh, as Bob said, um, during the, um, the COVID, um, you know, uh, our, our, my concern was that we have quite a few older uh, people in our church, older than us. And, um, uh, not by much. Not by much, yeah. <laughs> and um, the isolation uh, was a big problem. Um, the kids there of these parents um, were very, very concerned about their parents, and, and they had them totally isolated. And so um, I would go, uh, like, bake something or make something or whatever, and go once a week to the different houses and um, share something with them, you know, just so that they could see us. And, you know, Bob's talking about how, you know, the people, we kept them connected, I think is what the idea was. And um, and I think that was a real blessing to them and uh, possibly, you know, um, in their spiritual growth. And then um, after they started lifting the... Um, Restrictions again in, for the COVID, um, uh, the ladies came up to me and, and um, wanted the Bible study to continue on. And that was a real blessing to me. And, um, and when we were getting ready to leave um, for uh, this furlough, um, and, and by the way, you, you know, it's just it's not easy for missionaries to leave the field. Um, if you can imagine Pastor Brad getting his church ready here for him to be gone for a year or six months, um, it, it's very hard on the church and on the pastor. And, um, and, it was, and it is on us, too, because, you know, we, we're here and communication is, is much better now than it used to be. But, you know, we're concerned about what happens there. And uh, as, as here, there's, there's, the devil is... is about 
you know, trying to um, reach the people in our churches and in our communities with false doctrines and um, things like that. So that is a concern for us. Um, but um, Not the government. Not, did I say the government? Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, no. Other churches. Uh, yeah. And um, uh, so, so that's a real concern with us. So when we were getting the church ready for our, this furlough, um, we wanted to just make sure that they were really prepared. Um, the ladies in the church are taking care of the Sunday school ministries, the children's ministries. And um, the ladies' ministry, I, um, I've always told them, and, and, I seriously, and I truly believe this, that the, if you want to grow in the Lord, you need to teach. Because if you teach, you're really involving yourself in the study and that. And, um, and so that was, um, I, I, I would have liked it if one woman came forward to take over the women's ministry. And I continued to tell them what a blessing that would have been for them. And so um, we didn't have anybody, a leader, to take over the, ch- the women's ministry. Um, and, um, but since we've been back right away, like two weeks after we got back, uh, there was a message that came over our group, uh, church group, that uh, don't forget we're having the ladies' min- uh, um, Bible study. So they're continuing it on, and that's a real, real blessing to us. Um, possibly when we go back, uh, we might not even have a job, you know, which is it's good. It's good because we've always said that we're, we're there to kind of work ourselves out of a job. Um, but uh, there's many, many other areas in our um, where we're at that, that don't have anyone preaching. So we're, we're looking forward to what the Lord's going to have in the future for us. Um, I just want to mention real quickly, um, out on our table, we have a few things. We have our prayer card out there and... and um, we would love it if you guys took that and, you know, put it by your table, you know, where you pray, where you read your Bible, and, and pray for us. That would be a real blessing for us. Also, we have um, this um, list here. It's uh, praying for missionaries, and it's a weekly cycle of prayer topics. You don't have to follow this particularly, but it's very good to let you know what missionaries, you know, what happens on the field. Where, in what areas do we need prayer so uh, please take that. Um, we also have uh, this right here, and our mission board uh, there uh, supports this or, or is in charge of this. It's called the TROT program, and um, it's like a boot camp, it says here, for um, young people uh, to come and immerse themselves in um, Bolivia, in particular in Bolivia, um, and, and just see what missions is all about. Uh, very, very good program. Um, the majority of the missionaries uh, that are working with us in Bolivia had gone through this TROT program. Just to, and it, it had that much of an impact on their lives. I've got a little book out there, uh, fun thing. You guys, uh, please help yourself to that. Um, uh, it's got some facts about Bolivia in there and um, some Spanish and things like that. And then um, the last thing is, uh, oh, no, two things. Uh, this right here, uh, please help yourself to that. It's the Colors of Bolivia. And uh, during uh, Independence Day, you'll see a lot of the kids and adults walking around with this. 
And, um, and this right here is, uh, I call it a gospel doll. Um, and it has the, the colors of the wordless book on it. And um, you know, if you hang it on to your purse or something, or you're somewhere, you know, uh, in stores, it can, um, uh, somebody asks about it, you can share the gospel with them. So just help yourself to those things. Um, and um, again, we just, we really appreciate the church. We appreciate um, getting the messages uh, from time to time about praying. And Pastor Brad keeps up with us on what's going on with the church here. And uh, thank you very much. We also uh, ask if you have an opportunity, we have our sign up sheet for our um, emails if you want to get uh, updates from us on email. So uh, it's on the. Uh, our our display table out there. Thank you. Thank you, Bob and Terry. We appreciate the update, and we're grateful for the opportunity our church has to partner with you guys in ministry. Let's pray as we begin our time of worship together this morning. Father, we're grateful that we can come together in the name of Jesus to think about your goodness and your truth. Thank you for this reminder that you are saving people and changing lives around the world. Thank you for sending Jesus Christ on that first Christmas morning as a gift to mankind to give us the peace and the, the good tidings, the goodwill that you have towards men. You love us, and because you love us, you give us Jesus who provides to us eternal life and forgiveness. Thank you that we can celebrate that together today. We pray that you'd be glorified in our time. We ask in Jesus' name, amen. Stand together as we continue to sing and worship the Lord through song. Sing out together the first new one. The first Noel, the angels did say, was to certain poor shepherds in fields as they lay in fields where Noel, Noel, 
great singing, you can be seated.
Thank you, guys. Beautiful, beautiful music. As always, we appreciate you bringing that for us this morning. I invite you to take your Bibles to Psalm number 12, if you would. Psalm number 12. We've been in a series of messages now for this year, 2023, that we've entitled Albums of Worship. It's really a theology study from the book of Psalms, which is basically the Jewish songbook that talks about who God is. Theology is really a study for us to ask this question, who is God and how should I respond? This morning, we're actually in our very last message. I hope you've enjoyed the series. The leadership team has really enjoyed bringing you the series and studying this for ourselves And um, we hope that it's been a blessing to you. On the table in the back as you leave today, if you didn't see it on your way in, there's a recap of the Psalms series, all of the Psalms, all of the characteristics of God. And Johnny even included at the bottom all of the Psalms, Psalms that we didn't preach on. And so those are at the bottom for your personal study. We hope that you find that a blessing. You can put that in your notebook and uh, continue studying the albums of worship on your own time. This message this morning is actually a good topic to segue us into the Christmas season. We're going to start next Sunday morning following Jesus through the Gospels. And I'm excited for our church to be able to look at Jesus more closely. But you might know that Jesus in John chapter 1 is introduced as the living word of God. This morning, our topic is that God is the word giver. God is the word giver, not just his written word, but also in the gospel that Jesus Christ is the final word. He is the word of God. We're going to talk about that in a little bit of detail today and then more again in the next couple of weeks. But let's start this morning by reading Psalm number 12 together. Psalm 12, if you'll follow along as I read, says this, help Lord for the godly man ceases for the faithful fail from among the children of men they speak vanity everyone with his neighbor with flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak the lord shall cut off all flattering lips and the tongue that speaketh proud things who have said with our tongue we will prevail our lips are our own who is lord over us For the oppression of the poor, for the sighing of the needy, now will I arise, says the Lord. I will set him in safety from him that puffeth at him. The words of the Lord are pure words, as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. Thou shalt keep them, O Lord. Thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever. The wicked walk on every side when the vilest men are exalted. Would you take a moment with me, and before we pray, just think about the fact that God did not have to reveal himself to us. God did not have to give us his word. God did not have to tell us what he told us in the written word of God. The albums of worship that we've been looking at, he did not have to give those to us. We did not have to have our questions answered about who God is and how to have a relationship with him. And yet because of his grace, he gave us his word. This morning for a few minutes together, we want to celebrate our word-giving God. Would you pray with me? that we would listen to what he has to say for us today. Father, help us as we come to your word, the Bible, the very words of God written down for us to learn who you are and how we can have a relationship with you. Lord, we so often undervalue your word. 
Today, I pray that you'd help us to raise the value of your written word and your son, Jesus Christ, in our minds and hearts this morning. We pray this in his name. Amen. It's been said that the tongue is more powerful than the sword. Bob shared with us this morning a politician who maybe wasn't a great leader, but perhaps kept finding himself in political leadership because of his ability to talk himself back in. You might remember Antonio Lopez de Santa Ana. You remember that guy? His, we know him as Santa Ana. Uh, he was involved in the Alamo and the Mexican-American War. This guy had a golden tongue. If you've ever read anything about him, he served as president for Mexico four times. But in between each of his presidencies, he was exiled for bad leadership. But then he talked his way back in each time. Maybe you can think of modern political leaders that are like this. No good at ruling, but pretty good at talking about ruling, right? We see this around us all of the time. Here's the point. Words are powerful. They're powerful for good and they're powerful for evil. In the book of James in the New Testament, it says the tongue is a little member, but it boasts great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The point James is making is this, that a word is incredibly powerful. Psalms 12 reminds us of a really impressive contrast. David says, you have the words of men over here. They're mostly just fluff. They don't mean a whole lot. They're vain. They're empty. And then you have the words of God, which are supremely powerful. And he paints an incredible contrast for us. And this morning we want to look at this briefly. Number one, man's words, David reminds us, are proud. They're proud. David was a little distraught. And there was a good reason for his distress because godly people were harder and harder to find. He says this, that the godly man, Lord, is no more. Remember the definition of godly is one who acknowledges and seeks after God. He includes God in his life and conversation. This is the kind of man that we talked about last Sunday morning. The man who says, I'm going to live my life well in light of eternity. I'm going to fear God. I'm going to obey his commandments. I'm going to live with wisdom. In David's day, the land was literally being depleted of this kind of person. Does that sound familiar? Have you ever felt distraught about this condition? Like, Lord, where are the godly people? Where are the people that are living with wisdom? Where are the people that fear you and obey your word? Help us, Lord. There are fewer and fewer people who seek after God. And can I just tell you that this is a telltale sign that this depletion of a nation's character is happening. The depletion of godliness, the way you can tell that it's happening is there's a lot of people talking, but nobody's saying anything with wisdom. There's a lot of chatter. There's a lot of noise, but it is vanity. And I think that at least in my short lifetime, that this is happening more now than ever before. Actually, a, a good metaphor, illustration for humanity is a toad. Toad is kind of ugly. You know what I'm saying? You agree with me? They're kind of ugly, clumsy, warty. <laughs> They're a bit unfriendly. They make a lot of noise. If you've ever camped out by a lake, they make a lot of noise. And they use their tongue to serve themselves mostly. But other than that, there's not much going on. 
You know what I'm saying? I mean, what, what else do toads do? I don't know. I mean, I guess they eat some insects maybe that annoy us. But they just kind of sit there, make a lot of noise, and feed themselves with their tongue. This is largely true of a lot of humanity. Many humans are like this. A lot of tongue wagging in self-service, but not much benefit for others going on. They're just flattering each other for personal gain. This is what David says. Everybody's just proud. Everybody's just flattering each other. Everybody's speaking these manipulative words for their own purposes. Have you ever noticed this about our world that wickedness and deception seem to be on the rise? I was just having lunch, a really interesting conversation with a couple of guys this last week in law enforcement. One, a police officer and one, a prosecutor. So one on the legal side, one on the law enforcement side, and they were having a conversation. And I said to one of the guys, I said, why do you think that is? They were telling a story about people rejecting authority. And I said, why do you think that is? And, and the guy on the legal side said this. He said, well, the circumstances in our world over the last four years have given people permission to cast off authority. They've given people permission to cast, this is a secular guy, not coming from a biblical standpoint. He says, he's given people permission to cast off authority. And the guy on the law enforcement side jumps in and he said, which is not good, by the way. And I said, well, I, I didn't think it was good. He said, well, it's not good because people are getting worse and worse. So you have people that cast off authority on one side, but their personal character is getting worse and worse. And I thought immediately of 2 Timothy 3.13, evil men and seducers shall do what? Wax worse and worse, he didn't even know it, but he was quoting scripture. And how do they wax worse and worse? They're deceived and they're being deceived. They're telling lies and they're swallowing lies. David said, they're doing this right to my face, Lord. Help. They're proud and they're boasting and they're lying right to my face and they just don't care. By the way, I will tell you that this is another telltale sign that evil is on the rise when people are lying and believing lies. This is why truth is so important, because Satan wants people to swallow lies. As Terry said, it's so dangerous for the church to not be grounded in truth because it's so easy to swallow a lie. Jesus, when describing Satan in John chapter eight, said there's no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own or what his, his inner person is coming out because he just is a liar and the father of it. Truth is so important because man's words are so empty and so often proud and empty, meaningless. Number two, man's words will be punished. Verse number three talks about this, that the Lord will cut off flattering lips and the tongue that speaks proud things. The Lord will cut them off. Again, back in James, James talks about this, that a tongue boasts great things. It's so easy for a tongue to boast great things and to say amazing things about itself. But how does God feel about pride? Scripture tells us that God has one response to pride, and that is that he hates it. He abhors it. It's an abomination to him. Notice how the pride here in verse number four shows itself. He said that they say our tongue, with our tongue, we will prevail. We can talk our way out of anything. Our lips are our own. 
Who is Lord over us? I have the freedom to say whatever I want. I have complete freedom of speech. Can I just tell you as a Christian, you do not. You do not. You say, well, I'm an American. Okay, hopefully you're a Christian first, all right? You do not have freedom of speech. Here's what James said in James chapter 3. The tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, the Father. And therewith curse we men, which are after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceeds blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. You might have American freedom of speech for now. That doesn't mean you're not accountable to God. We're accountable for the things that come out of our mouth. Did you know Jesus said this? But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give an account thereof in the day of judgment. Every single one. And he wasn't talking about evil words. He was talking about meaningless words. For by your words you will be justified and by your words you shall be condemned. Man's words are often full of pride. They will be punished. But in contrast, I want you to see the words of God. They're perfect. The words of God are perfect. Look at verse number six. The words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. It's like David's trying to come up with a metaphor that helps us understand the purity of God's words. And it's, it's impossible. It's tough. When I was young, my dad was a beekeeper for a hobby. And when he would harvest the honey, he would filter it. And there was many processes to filtering it. It went through a screen and then it went through a cloth and then it went through another kind of cloth and another kind of cloth and then it was heated up and put through another kind of cloth. That's what David's saying. He said the words of God have been tested so many times that you can absolutely trust them. They are perfect and they are powerful words. They're pure. They're proven. They're permanent. And they're powerful. I want you to think about how permanent the words of God are for just a minute. Psalm 33, verse 11. The counsel of the Lord stands forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. Psalm 119, verse 89. Forever, O Lord, thy word is settled in heaven. Isaiah 40, in verse number 8. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of God shall stand forever. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 25 heaven, or 24, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. It's like a, a blacksmith with an anvil and a pile of hammers. Throughout his career, he keeps going through hammers, right? But the anvil stays solid. The hammers get worn out. And no matter what hammer comes against the word of God, it breaks I mean, think about political correctness up against the word of God. Not even a contest. Atheism up against the word of God. Not a contest. Humanism, higher education. None of these hammers do any damage to the anvil of truth. The word of God. The Bible lives on. Pure, proven, permanent. And think about how powerful it is. Think about how powerful. How long has it been since you read Genesis chapter 1? Anybody read it recently? Genesis chapter 1? Okay, so in Genesis chapter 1, it says over and over and over again that God did something when he created. He said, let there be light. He said, let there be land. He said, let there be the moon and the sun and the stars. So what are we talking about? We're talking about the words of God. 
I just went through Genesis chapter one a couple days ago, and I just wrote down the verses that talk about God speaking something into existence. Let me give them to you really quick. Don't try to write them down. Verse three, verse five, verse six, eight, nine, 10, 11, 14, 15, 20, 22, 24, 26, 28, 29, and 30. And that's just chapter one. That God is speaking the universe into existence by the power of his word. And yet, many of us haven't cracked this baby open all week long. Because we just haven't had the time or the motivation. Do you know how powerful the word of God is? He can use his word to speak a universe into existence. And like one of the guys recently reminded us, I don't know what he did the rest of the day. Right? He just spoke it into existence and he had the rest of the day off. What power. He created everything that is out of nothing. The phrase ex nihilo is often used to describe the creation of God. Ex means out of, nihilo means out of nothing. He just created with the power of his word. Second Peter chapter 3 talks about this. By the word of God, the heavens were of old. And the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. What is Peter saying? God not only spoke the world into existence, but it is sustained because of the power of his words. Psalm 33, verse 4, for the word of the Lord is right and his works are done in truth. He loves righteousness and judgment. The earth is full of the goodness of the Lord. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made and all the host of them by the breath of his mouth. Verse 9, he spoke, it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. God speaks and his words matter. This is why Jesus, when he was standing in the boat with the disciples, waking up from a nap in the storm, says, peace, be still. (laughs) And the waves are at peace and they're still. Why? He's master. His words matter. They're perfect. They're pure. They're proven. They're permanent and they're powerful. And in closing, I just want you to see the connection for us. Like one, one response to us should be, well, okay, so if the word of God is so powerful, I probably should be reading it. And yes, we absolutely should be. But I want you to see what the New Testament writers say about the word of God. In Hebrews chapter one and verse number one, it says this, that God, who at various times and in diverse manners spoke in times past unto the fathers by the prophets. He's talking about the Old Testament, right? The the first two thirds of the Bible, God spoke through the prophets has in these last days spoken to us by his son. He gave us a new form of his word called his son, Jesus Christ, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he's made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. What the author of Hebrews is saying is this. Look, God's been speaking to mankind for thousands of years. But now he's speaking through his son, Jesus Christ. That matters because God's word is pure and proven and permanent and powerful. And can I just tell you, so is Jesus In 2024, in this coming year, we're going to celebrate Jesus every single Sunday. Wow, that's going to be awesome. 
And we're going to celebrate the fact that he's pure and that he's proven and that he's permanent and that he is powerful. He is the word made flesh. John chapter one in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. You say, well, that's a strange way to start a book. Can I just remind you who this is writing this? This is Jesus best friend. His best friend on earth, John, his closest disciple, John knew Jesus was a human. And yet he thought about what is the one vocabulary word that I can describe him with? What is the one thing? Is it truth? Is it forgiver? Is it king? Is it master? Is it Lord? No, you know what it is? It's word. He's the final word of God. He is the very embodiment of truth. Verse number 14, and the word was made flesh Christmas and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and full of truth. Jesus is what God wants to say. You ever thought about that? What does God want to say to First Baptist Church in 2024? Jesus. What does God want God's people to say to Wixom and the surrounding communities in 2024? Jesus. He is the message. He's the word. Jesus actually said this in John chapter 6. It is the spirit that quickens you or brings life. The words that I speak to you, they are spirit and they are life. Can I share with you some words of Jesus? Just really, these are really simple words of Jesus that he shared with a religious leader in John chapter 3 and verse number 16, where he said that God, the Father, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's Christmas. But that wasn't the end of the story. The the whole purpose of that was that whoever would put their faith in Jesus would believe on him, would not perish, but have everlasting life. Can I just tell you this morning, if this is your first time at First Baptist Church or you've been here more times than you can count, here's the word of God to you. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is the truth. He's what you need. He's what you need for forgiveness. He's what you need for eternal life. And he's what you need to live the abundant life right now. So let me just give you really quick one conclusion with two parts. Okay, (laughs) one conclusion. Here's the conclusion. Prioritize the word of God in 2024. Prioritize the word of God in 2024. You say, okay, Brad, I got it. Are you talking about this word? Are you talking about Jesus, the word? Yes. Prioritize the word of God in 2024. What should you do with the written word? Well, you should read it. You should memorize it. You should meditate on it. You should talk about it. You should share it in your community group. You should think it and explain it with one another. There's a reading plan back on the back table for following along through the Gospels. This is a great time of year to make a resolution about having personal devotions in the word of God. Read it, memorize it, meditate it, share it, think it. And then secondly, what about the word made flesh? What about Jesus? Well, love him, follow him and worship him. And that's what we're intending to do as a church, by the way. In John chapter six, Jesus said to the 12 disciples, are you guys going to quit? Will you guys go away? 
And Simon Peter said to him this. Listen to what he says. Lord, where would we go? You have the words of eternal life. In other words, Peter was saying to Jesus, Jesus, I don't need anything. We don't need anything. If we've got you, you are the word of life. May we find as a church and as individuals abundant life in him as we follow the word in the year to come. Lord, help us to be committed not just to the printed word of God in written form, but help us to be committed more than ever to the son of God, the word that became flesh. Would you help us in 2024 not to just think about that and talk about that, but to actually do it? We are your people and we love you and thank you for saving us. We pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. Stand as we close today, singing out, What child is this? What child is this who lays to rest on Mary's lap is our church can communicate with you is the gospel message. The word gospel means good news. The trouble with most good news is that it isn't really good until you see it relative to bad news. The discovery of a new cure isn't all that helpful unless you or a loved one has the disease that it cures. In the same way, the good news of Jesus is good when it is understood in relation to the bad news of our own sin. We are all sinners, 
That's the disease we are all born with. And Jesus is the cure. The good news that everyone can live forever with God in heaven, not because of anything we can do, but because of what Jesus did in our place. Romans 5.8 says, But God demonstrated his love toward us, in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. The truth that everyone, everywhere, at all times in history needs to hear is that salvation is only possible by putting our faith in Jesus Christ alone. There's no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Would you put your faith in Jesus Christ today? Would you be willing to pray something like this and mean what you pray from your heart? Dear Lord, I know I'm a sinner and I know I can do nothing to earn forgiveness and make myself right with you. Instead of dying for my own sins, I want to trust Christ and his death on the cross as payment for my sins. I want to repent from doing things my way and make Jesus Christ the Lord of my life. The Bible tells us that those that repent from their sin and believe on the Lord Jesus Christ in this way shall be saved. Would you believe on him today? And if you did trust Christ today, if you did pray a prayer like the one suggested a moment ago and you really meant it, would you let us know? We want to help you grow in your understanding of the good news of Jesus Christ. Maybe you have more questions about putting your faith in Christ and we have great resources to help you with that. The Exchange Bible Study is a four-week study on the character of God that will answer most of your questions about the gospel. We have men and women ready and waiting to go through that with you in person or virtually, depending on your situation. Maybe you put your faith in Christ today, or, or maybe you did years ago, but you feel like you've not grown in your faith. We want to help you with that as well. We have literally hundreds of helpful resources and dozens of believers ready to walk with you through them. Let us know how we can best encourage your journey of faith in Christ using one of the contact methods listed below. Jesus Christ loves you and wants to spend eternity with you. May God bless you as you seek to live your life for his honor and for his glory.